Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Well, it's another week of Unlocking the Truth in the book of James. Good to be with you again, Derek. Mm -hmm. We're excited again to get back into this book. I mean, we have begun uh, a few weeks ago now, I think... Uh, this is week six, week six into yeah. the book of James, covering chapter three. Uh, we've got uh, four weeks to go yeah. after this, yeah. but this week is going to be an interesting week as we look at uh, the tongue. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to break that down, but first of all, let's pray together before we start. Gracious God, we thank you again for the opportunity we have to study your word. We are so grateful that you have given it to us. And uh, I pray that as we work our way through this text, that you will reveal uh, your truth to us, the things that you would have us know, and uh, those things that you would have change our life through the power of your Holy Spirit. Almighty God, I ask you will bless us in this time, and uh, we give it all to you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So the whole book of James, I think, hinges on one verse. Uh, Some might debate me on that, but the one verse that I think it's hinging on is the very fact that he says in chapter 1, verse 22, prove yourselves doers of the Mm -hmm. word, not merely hearers of the word. And over the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at a real faith, a real faith, uh, what that looks like. Last week, we covered the conversation on the tests. We looked at one of the first tests in the scripture uh, in James, which was the test of uh, our faith by our works. By our works yeah. uh, this week, we want to look at two tests. Two tests today. Two tests in one chapter. And uh, the first test we want to look at is that the test of the tongue. Mm-hmm. So the tongue would so prove what our faith is. Right. And so we want to clearly look that up. And and so we want to set the standard for that. I mean, he's talked about the tongue in previous passages. And now we want to go and say, well, what is the deal? What's so big about the tongue? And so we've got some cross-references we want to look at. And as we look up those cross-references, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 is the first one. I want to set you up with this point first, is that the mouth, all right, in the tongue is the focal point and it is the indicator of our condition. Mm -hmm. So what will best indicate what our condition is where we sit in position will be indicated by our tongue the so i we're saying. yeah isaiah chapter uh six verse five what does it say it says then i said uh, woe is me for i am ruined because i am a man of unclean lips and i live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts so isaiah is talking about this uh exactly that position of a man of unclean lips. And he says, woe is me. I am ruined because of my unclean lips, because of the things that I'm saying. Uh, I have been uh, seen as unclean. Right. And then in Matthew chapter 15, uh, there are some verses and Jesus begins to talk about the tongue. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, he says, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds mm. out of the mouth that um, this defiles a man. Verses uh, 16 to 19, Jesus said, Are you still lacking in understanding also? 
do not understand that everything goes into the mouth, passes into the stomach, and is eliminated. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. Uh, these are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Mm-hmm. I think the key is here is there is a clear connection, and we want to look at Romans chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But the clear connection is that what comes out of our mar- our mouth indicates the inward condition of our heart. Mm-hmm. And so what did Romans chapter uh, three say uh, thirteen to fifteen says their heart or their throat is an open grave with their tongues they keep deceiving the poison of asps is under their lips uh, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood again we have this reminder of how powerful and how important it is the things that we actually say there's a that romantic phrase that the the eyes are a window to the soul where the mouth is the microphone of the heart that what we say really does tell people tells god tells one another what is actually in our heart well that's the thing is it's really hard to tell the condition of your heart because Mm -hmm. you know it's all inward and then the moment you speak yeah. And and that's really what's at heart here. And think about that, that if you are a child of God, if you are living a life of true faith, then the words that proceed out of your mouth should reflect that position that mm-hmm. you are as a child of God. But oftentimes, uh, we will catch ourselves saying things that are completely inappropriate and do not edify and glorify That's right. God. Mm-hmm. And so we absolutely need to have a heart check yeah. and say to ourselves, does my words reflect my inward mm-hmm. change? Yeah. 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 I mean, this is what we're looking at today and the power of the tongue. And so let's dig in James chapter 3, verse 1. And, and this is the interesting part that we go here first, mm-hmm. that James attacks here first. Yeah. He says, let uh, not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such will incur a stricter judgment. Uh, maybe we should just stop <laughs> right here. Up. We yeah. should be done. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a serious thing that uh, James is pointing out here. The first thing he's doing is he's, he's, attack- he's not attacking, but he's uh, putting out a warning. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to dissuade people from becoming teachers. He just wants the teachers to understand how important that role is. Yeah, I think anytime, and you know, this is great. We're, we're putting this on video this time as well that mm-hmm. you'll be able to check out at our website. So, so for the for the video people, I'll hold up and I'll say, anytime you are handling the word of God, you want to accurately handle it. And mm-hmm. I, and it just brought to my attention Second uh, Timothy, and in Second Timothy, uh, we're told to uh, not only guard the treasure mm-hmm. that is the the truth of the gospel, but he also says in Second uh, Timothy chapter two, verse one. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
These things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so there is this uh, principle here, handle the word accurately right. and do well with it because if you don't, you will face a stricter judgment. Yeah, yeah for it's, sure. It's a huge warning for us as teachers mm -hmm. to accurately handle the truth. And I think for those who don't accurately handle the truth, they need to really pay attention Absolutely. to this verse. Because what are we seeing in our culture today? I mean, our world is full, not even just our world, our, our churches and our pul pulpits are full of, of pastors and preachers who aren't handling the word accurately, who are, who are just trying to say things to make people happy so that they'll keep coming to church. Uh, that the most important thing is making sure that people are there. Uh, and so we just say the things that they want to hear. Uh, but James is saying it's, it's so important for us to make sure that we're actually speaking the truth. Um, and, and so many, so often we get caught up in just trying to say things that sound good and sound nice so as not to offend people, but we're not actually telling them the truth. I mean, uh, the word is supposed to be offensive. The gospel is offensive. And, uh, and so if we're not preaching the gospel, if we're just telling people nice things, then we're not handling the truth of, of God accurately or responsibly. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to hear about it. Right. So he comes into this next part of this verse. Uh, For if we stumble in many ways, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body as well. Mm -hmm. And then he comes into the next part and he continues that thought. And he says, now if we put bits into the horse's mouths uh, so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. So how do you think that connects all to the taming of the tongue? Well, everything is, uh, especially as, as teachers, we need to be careful the things that we are teaching because just like uh, the tongue uh, is a, uh, how we talk is a test of our faith. Uh, the problem with leaders is that they are one person, but they can direct and they can guide uh, a, a great number of people into the wrong direction, believing the wrong thing. Um, and so that's, that's where you get into trouble as, as a teacher. So we've got here this idea of a teacher is one who is appointed. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've got some verses we want to look at. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 17 uh, is one of them. And what did Ezekiel have to say regarding teachers? He says, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth... Uh, warn them from me. And then Acts chapter 20, verses uh, 26 and uh, 27. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I, uh, innocent, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Uh, this, this verse I love, verse 27. For I did not shrink hmm. from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Right. And... One of the things I find most interesting when it comes to teaching is there are scripture passages that as you work through, there are ones that you would want to skip mm -hmm. because you're like, that's not really 
what I want to, That's you know, right. some of these are going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And so you might want to skip by them and teach them. And what Paul, I'm not saying that we would do that. Right. I think Paul, what he's saying here is I didn't shrink away from declaring to the whole truth. Literally, if I had the whole Bible and the whole counsel of the word of God in my yeah. hand, I would have went verse by verse, not missing a single thing, mm -hmm. regardless of the effect that it might have on the individual right. who hears. Yeah. So, again, the responsibility of the teacher is well, huge. As a preacher, it's hard sometimes when you when you come up to those verses and you just desperately want to skip them and just say, you know what, we're not. I'm, I'm not going to talk about this because I know I'm going to hear about it when when the sermon's done. Or uh, and Bible study leaders, it's easy. It's easy to do that too. To say, well, I'm going to just skip over this or or turn away from it. Well. Think about where we're at right now in our culture. Mm -hmm. uh, how many people are skipping over the adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals right. will not enter into the kingdom of heaven? Mm -hmm. Because you've got all of these truths here in scripture that need to be taught. And the reality is that homosexuality is something that doesn't allow you to get into heaven. Right. You know, the righteousness of God through the uh, the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus Christ is the only way into heaven. And and those who practice homosexuality, those who practice adultery, those mm -hmm. who practice these things, as we've seen in Ezekiel, as we've seen in Acts, the call of the teacher is to warn mm -hmm. the people of the sin that they're in and the, and the responsibility that they have before God and the wrath that they will face if they don't repent and return. That's right. So it's a huge responsibility. And when you start skipping over verses and, and subjects and topics, it's almost as though maybe this might be a stretch, but you're beginning to honor those mm -hmm. sins mm -hmm. versus calling right. them out. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. This is one that pastors aren't going to shy away from. <laughs> they, they like this one. Uh, but it's not, it's not just a call for uh, people to obey the leaders. It's important instruction to the leaders as well, that, that their responsibility is to watch over the souls of those uh, that we have been appointed over as, as pastors and preachers and leaders in churches. Uh, we have a responsibility to those people in the flock. It's one thing is super clear in the New Testament is that over and over, we're warned of false teachers. Mm -hmm. We're warned of individuals who teach for personal gain. Right. Uh, the book of Jude talks about that and mm -hmm. teachers, how they, and, you know, it was all for personal gain. Yeah. So this is what James is warning against. Mm -hmm. He's warning against teachers who teach for personal gain versus the edification and the glorification of God. Mm -hmm. That is a really big deal that we need to understand. Oh, for sure. That if we're teaching and preaching and accurately handling the truth, we don't have to worry about this stricter judgment. Yeah, exactly. When we start to teach and we start to preach and we start to lead the flock mm -hmm. for personal gain, yeah. look out. Yeah, then we're in trouble. There's a stricter judgment coming. Yeah. Now, we go through these verses on stumbling, 
and uh, we put uh, the bits in the, br uh, the bridle in the horse's mouth so that they will obey us. We direct them. And then he goes into these, I love these analogies of nature. Mm -hmm. And so he says, look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by what? A oh, small, small rudder. rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. Mm -hmm. And then we come to this next part. See how great a forest is set aflame by sm such a small fire. Yeah, it's incredible. If you've ever seen a forest fire, when we were living in Yellowknife, the, the city was surrounded by forest fires. And mm. so we would, when we were driving home, we had to stop and wait. And we were driving, actually driving through the smoldering uh, fires. And it's amazing how much destruction happens. And it usually starts as something small. It's not a huge bomb that goes off. It's a, it's a campfire that's not put out all the way, or it's, you know, it's, it's a small spark that comes from something. But the destruction uh, is immense and incredible. And not only does it destroy, it is really difficult to control, to get under control. Right. This is, again, we should remind everybody as we're working through this material that this is within the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea here is that uh, the tongue can set quite the fire right. in the church. In the church. Now, how many have experienced that mm -hmm. within their own church. Right. And I've had that experience as a pastor in the church where one person says, some, says something and then next thing you know, it is lit. Mm -hmm. The church is going nuts. Yeah. You know, people are, uh, gossip takes off. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of different things and, and evil prevails and then all of a sudden you start seeing people's true colors as they they talk down about the other right. uh, believers in the church fights and quarrels yeah. and all of that on it it ends up being uh, really divisive and and there's factions that form and and there always kind of becomes this uh, this chasm within the church you can almost see it uh, physically in the church on Sunday morning as you go to you go to stand up and preach and you see the church actually physically split these people are sitting here and these people are sitting over there and you can feel that that tension but it it, it just erodes and it eats away and destroys um, the unity that we're supposed to have as believers and it's one little body part exactly you know that little uh, tongue that causes such a big problem mm -hmm. well he continues to talk about um, nature continues to focus on nature. There, there are a lot of talk of nature in this chapter. Every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. Mm -hmm. You know, my son uh, and my daughter had a school project this year. And uh, the my daughter's class, one of the students created a, a, um, a lizard cage. Okay. And then... Uh, the purpose of the lizard cage was to see if he could tame the lizard to walk upstairs. Mm. And and he taught the lizard to walk upstairs. Right. I, I don't know how he did it, but he it learned how to do it. Right. And this is what it's saying here is, you know, we have the ability to tame mm -hmm. all kinds of things. I have seen, and you've probably seen, 
I've seen guys and, and, and girls blow a whistle right. and make a killer whale go up and touch a, uh, you know, an orange ball right. with their nose. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, they, they're able to teach them how to do that mm-hmm. and yet can't control yeah. your tongue. Yeah. Verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless. It is as restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Mm. Verse 9 says, With it we bless our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. This is something that as we've kind of been working through, this topic has been coming up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what what do you think about verses verse 9 and this cursing and uh, blessing? Well, I think the reason we keep hearing it as we're teaching uh, these lessons is, be- is because it's incredibly convicting. That, um, you know, that on a Sunday morning we're singing praises, we're praying to the Lord, we're giving Him glory, and then it's not even Monday morning. Sometimes it's the service is over and we're going for coffee and we're already starting to talk about people in the church and we're starting to tear them down. And James says that, uh, that you, can't, you can't do both. You can't authentically be praising God one minute and then cursing someone in, made in His image uh, in the next. It's... it's it doesn't work that way. It, it, there's no way that uh, uh, one of those things is real and one of those things is not. And the one that's real is the one where we're, where we're cursing other people and we're, we're faking it when we're going to God. Right. So we need to remember here that, again, we are talking about a test of real faith. Mm-hmm. And what proceeds from the mouth so proves our faith. Yeah. And so... You're right. It is so easy to proclaim you're a Christian Mm -hmm. and live the Christian life for an hour and a half on Sunday and then go back and be a cursing sailor Monday. Exactly. And so uh, controlling the tongue is glorification, edification of God Mm -hmm. Monday to Friday. Yeah. It's a full-time job. Full-time job. Seven days a week. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that James says this is so important is not only does it affect ourself, but it also affects our ability to witness. If if we're in church on Sunday and now on Monday we're going to work and we're we're contributing to the office gossip or or we're tearing people down, people know where we were on Sunday. And they're going to say, "Man, this this guy thinks that he's he says he's a believer, he says he's a disciple, he says he loves Jesus, but he's no different than we are." When the, when the gossip starts flowing, mm-hmm. he's in there just as much as we are. And so it begins to affect our ability to witness uh, to, our, to, to people who don't know who Jesus is. This is hypocrisy to the core. Absolutely. And I remember um, when I was doing student ministry, uh, the teens, when we, when we would have Friday night, big citywide mm-hmm. youth events, there'd be 800 teenagers getting into the same room, multiple denominations. And my group would come in and we'd sit down and they'd begin to look around the room, you know, because that's the thing with teens. They're always eyeing each other up yeah. for, for threats or, yeah, exactly. you know, where's my buddies right. or whatever. Oh, man, somebody might find find out that I'm, that I'm at here. a church event yeah. or whatever the case is. But a lot of the teens that I had in my group, would always look around the room mm-hmm. and the same statement that always came from them was, oh, I didn't know that they were a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, well, what do you mean? 
What do you mean you don't know if they're a Christian? Well, their actions and their words mm-hmm. do not reflect that of being a Christian. Yeah. And, and these are the two tests we've looked at over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. The first one is, does your actions, does your deeds, does your works reflect your true faith? Right. But then does your words, mm-hmm. you know, reflect it? And so uh, this is huge. Hypocrisy is being confronted right here. Mm-hmm. Verse 11. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh water and bitter water? Another example, can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? No salt water can produce fresh. Mm -hmm. So what are the comparisons that we've got here? Well, And and James is almost making it like it's such a silly example, right? He goes, if you you approach a fig tree, it's not going to have grapes on it. Mm-hmm. If you approach a grapevine, it's not going to have figs on it. And everyone goes, well, duh, of course, James. And he says, there, that's no different than when we are uh, praising God and cursing others. And, and when it comes to the, the, the fountain, like when we come to a fountain, if there's bitter water coming out, there's no way you can tell me that it's a fresh stream. Mm-hmm. And so the, the outpouring of our works and our words show our true nature. The, the fruit on the fig tree shows that it's a fig tree. The fruit on the, the grapevine shows that it's a grapevine. So you can't claim to be something you're not when, when, uh, when you're producing. Yeah, and then, I mean, we have to transition here after this, but I think we, we can't just drop it. I've got to let people know here that you need to be aware of what comes from your lips. Yeah. And you need to know that that reflects your inward relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. People are looking at that. Mm-hmm. Those are the outward physical signs of that inward change. Yeah. And I think we we try and let ourselves off easy when we say, well, words are words are more important than or actions are more important than words. And James says there's no difference. Words and actions are just are as important as one another when we're claiming to be faithful believers in Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Got five verses left in this chapter. And uh, part of this goes into next week, but we want to separate uh, verses 13 to 18 because mm-hmm. it is a transition. This is another test. Right. And so this, uh, we've tested our real faith by our deeds and works. We've tested our real faith by by what proceeds from the mouth and taming of the tongue. And then this faith test here is the wisdom mm. that you have. Do you have does your real faith show humble wisdom? Mm-hmm. And so let's look at these verses. Who among you is wise and understanding? This is a question. Yep. Let him show by his good behavior and deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Now, what's that verse 14? The first word that we find in verse 14. Is but. So but always indicates... Uh, we have a contrast. So what are we contrasting here? So we're contrasting uh, wisdom. There is a, uh, a wisdom that is gentle and that comes from good behavior uh, and good deeds. And now we're contrasting that with bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, uh, arrogance, and lies against the truth. And James says that this wisdom is not which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. 
So the contrast he's really bringing out here, it is wisdom. You're absolutely right. It's wisdom that comes from heaven. Right. Or it's wisdom that comes from the world. Exactly. Now, this is the way that he's, as you've read, is he describes the wisdom of the world. Mm -hmm. It's a natural wisdom. It's not a supernatural wisdom. Mm -hmm. So remember in chapter one, when we are going through trials, we're to pray and ask for God's, God's wisdom. wisdom. And and Romans and some of the cross-references in scripture talk about the depths of understanding that God has. The book of Job, how deep God's wisdom is that wisdom is perfect and it comes from above. That's the wisdom that we as uh, those with real true faith have mm -hmm. compared to, he calls this earthly wisdom, natural wisdom, but demonic yeah. wisdom. Um, in the overview, the first week of the podcast, we looked at this as well. And we pointed out that this de de demonic part, is it's wisdom from Satan. That's right. And so let's look at some of the characteristics mm -hmm. of earthly, natural, demonic, demonic wisdom. wisdom. Verse 16 says, where, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. So the, the wisdom that comes from the world or comes from Satan produces jealousy, uh, selfish ambition, uh, and disorder and evil. Right. So now we got to contrast that, mm -hmm. that uh, earthly, demonic, natural wisdom with that which is from above. And I want to go backwards okay. in that verse because you've got here wisdom of from above. It gives you all these characteristics. We'll look at those characteristics in a moment, mm -hmm. but we'll come back. We'll go to verse 18 and then we'll work our way back because we want to accurately handle the truth right. uh, today. So, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Mm -hmm. So let's start with that. The very fact that wisdom from above mm -hmm. is a peaceful wisdom. Right. Wisdom from the earth, a natural, earthly, demonic wisdom is divisive. Right. Results in disorder. It creates disorder. And so you know the one who has wisdom from above mm -hmm. because they are peacemakers. Right. And so now let's look at the characteristics of the wisdom that comes from above. So he says that wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. So I've got in the margin of my Bible, I have that, uh, first of all, if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, uh, these are all lies against the truth, mm -hmm. verse 14. I also have in the margin of my Bible, I have from 13 down to 18, I have a huge bracket with the word meekness. Mm. You know, power under, under control. control. And I loved how um, one speaker described meekness. He said, it's the ability to crush an ant, right. but the grace not to step on it. Yeah. It's like literally holding your foot over it and going, yeah, I could kill that thing, mm -hmm. but I'm not going but to. I won't. Meekness, power under control. And so here we have these two, uh, this test of wisdom. So we show our true faith by the wisdom that we have. Mm -hmm. And we can sense the wisdom that we have by our ambition. Mm -hmm. By what it is that we're 
that we're trying to accomplish. And, uh, you know, we talk about wisdom and, and, and this wisdom is, is what, what it is that we use um, to inform our lives. We live according to a certain type of wisdom, a certain type of knowledge and a certain type of truth. So mm-hmm. if we're living our lives according to the wisdom that is of the earth, then all we're trying to do is, uh, uh, our ambition is selfish. We're trying to amass things for ourselves. We're concerned with ourselves first and ourselves only. If, however, we are living by the truth and the wisdom that comes from above, then our life is focused outwardly, that we are trying to create peace, that we are full of mercy, that we are without hypocrisy. And that that links us back up to uh, what we are talking about with the tongue. When we're following the wisdom of the world, Mm -hmm. um, then we are hypocritical. Then we are saying one thing and doing something else. But when we're allowing the wisdom of God to inform our lives, it is without hypocrisy. And I love just, again, last week in the podcast, we talked about bearing fruit and, mm-hmm. and having fruit, good fruit. And and right here, um, all of these points here in 17 and 18 lead us back to Galatians with the fruits mm-hmm. of the Spirit. Yeah. And so this week, it's been a phenomenal week mm-hmm. studying through the book of James. So two tests. Test number one, how does your tongue reflect your position? Yeah. How does what you say so prove you have a real faith Mm -hmm. then how does your faith reflect that you have wisdom from above Mm -hmm. the test is do you have a humble wisdom that you are under the hand almighty hand of god or are you out pursuing selfish ambitions Mm -hmm. and proclaiming you're a child of god right Great week, Derek. Good week. Love and James. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for our time that we've had together in your word. Father, we pray that uh, you would, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us so clearly right now. That even whether we're driving, whether we're sitting at home listening to this, whether we're at work, that, Father, you would just show us so clearly the words that come from our mouth. That, Father, you would show us whether we are able to tame our tongue. Father, also show us the type of wisdom that we pursue, the type of wisdom that we have. Are we in pursuit of wisdom of the world that's earthly, natural, and demonic, that creates jealousy, strife, creates disorder, creates evil? Or, Father, are we pursuing the wisdom from above that produces peace. So Father, again, we thank you for all of this. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.